0: Welcome to Trevecca Community Church's Sermon Podcast. We hope this resource draws you closer to God and helps you grow in your faith. This Sunday, Pastor Shauna continued our current sermon series, Starting Over, with a message from the book of Nehemiah. This last week we heard the young inaugural poet, Amanda Gorman, say these words, Somehow we have weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken, but simply unfinished. Unfinished construction project. I don't think that's just the story of America. I think that's the story of the people of God, an unfinished construction project. I think this is what we see in the book of Nehemiah. Here we are at the end of chapter 6, the beginning of chapter 7, and for all this time, the community has been working side by side, shoulder to shoulder, men, women, and children, all pulling their weight in this huge collaborative effort to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And they do it with no slave labor like the Egyptians built their pyramids. No company of highly trained and skilled builders. I mean, these are just average, ordinary people. They are farmers and mothers and bakers and brothers working on a wall with every spare minute that they have. Whenever they had a chance to lay another brick and they finish in just 52 days, which is incredible. In fact, it's almost unbelievable. No one thought that they could do it. Their neighbors are astounded, and clearly God's hand had to be upon them. Don't you think this is why God chooses the people that God chooses? I mean, God always seems to choose the least likely candidates for greatness, always picking David over Goliath. And so when God anoints and uses these ill-equipped and underestimated people, well, it becomes clear who it is that's bringing the power and provision. Just 52 days, the wall is complete, and they hang the city gate. And and immediately, like as soon as the gate is up, they appoint gatekeepers and singers, musicians, Levites, and they make this wall official. I mean, this is... It's inauguration day for the new wall of Jerusalem. Business is opening. It's the grand opening. They cut the ribbons, start the parade, release the balloons. See if you can get Lady Gaga to come sing at the gate, right? It's a big day. It's a big deal. And they are celebrating. But the very last verse of this passage reminds us about just the state that the city is in. After they hang the gates and they get the gatekeepers and the singers and everyone in place, in chapter 7, verse 4, it says, "'The city was wide and large, but the people within it were few, and no houses had been built.'" So, thinking about that, this, this city where there's only a few people living in it, probably living in temporary shelters because there's no houses for them, there is still a lot of work to do. There there is still a lot of work to do, so why make this gate so official and appoint gatekeepers and musicians and Levites? I mean, who would want to come and do business here? This is not exactly a tourist attraction in the old city of Jerusalem right now, so why make such a big deal about the gates? Our family moved into a new-to-us house, Nine days before Christmas, if you want a recipe for an anxiety omelet, there you go. Move into a new house, nine days before Christmas. It was crazy. And we wanted to paint, you know, the inside all different colors. And so Tim wanted us to paint the house ourselves and I wanted us to hire professional painters. So we we compromised and we painted the entire house ourselves. Well, we did sort of compromise because Tim really did the lion's share of the painting, which I think was completely fair. His mom and sister were staying with us through the holidays, and so they helped a ton. We could not have done it without them. But it was still so much painting. felt like we were just living in this unfinished project. Rollers and cans everywhere, all over the house. It was crazy. So much painting. So we we decided, we picked this one patch on one of the walls that when we had finished, we were going to leave that patch unpainted. And when we'd finished everything else, we would come back to this patch. We would pour glasses of sparkling cider, roll over the last patch and clink our glasses and celebrate because the painting was over. And that's what we did. And and it was a really fun moment to stop and to celebrate being done painting. So much paint. But even after the painting was done, we hadn't finished unpacking our boxes. We hadn't hung anything up on the walls, and we certainly hadn't gotten the garage to a point where we could, like, park our cars in it. <laughs> there was still a lot of work to do, but, man, we needed to stop and celebrate. It's important to know when it's time to to stop and celebrate. I mean, celebrations along the way, they not only keep us motivated for the work ahead, they give us space to imagine what could be next, the things that God is yet to do. As I look back at this gate today, and the reason that they stopped and celebrated the gate, I, I can't help but think about city gates in the Old Testament and what they meant in the ancient world. And there were three things. I'm sure there's plenty more, but there were three things that were really standing out to me. The first, A gate was a really significant part of the identity of the city. It was sort of an identity, an identifying point of a city. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, God tells the Israelites to write his law on their doorposts and on their gates. It's supposed to be a sign to let all who enter and exit know who their God is, who they serve, and who they are. It's a reminder also to the people living within those gates, who they are. In fact, there's gates as you enter the campus to Trevecca. They don't exactly keep people out, but there's a gateway, at least, where you drive on a campus and you enter through a gate that says Trevecca Community. And there's gates around the sidewalks, one that says leadership and another that says service. So, that when you come onto campus, you get a sense that you're not just entering any random campus. You are coming to be a part of, of a community with a university and church and towers and healthcare center where servant leaders are working in the kingdom of God together. Gates are important identity markers. The second thing is that gates were a place where strangers could become friends. It it was a place where strangers could be met and welcomed into the life of the city safely. In Genesis chapter 19, we see this. Lot meets the two angels at the city gates, doesn't know who they are, shows them kindness and hospitality the city gates were a very public place where if somebody was wandering through a stranger they could meet up at the city gate and and tell their story talk about who their family was exchange you know some information so that folks could feel safe maybe welcoming them into their home giving them a place to sleep and have a meal it was a meeting place of safety for both insiders and outsiders so that one could be welcomed by the other and both could leave as friends. Third, the gate was a place of public witness. The gate was a place where all kinds of great public events would take place. Sometimes weddings would be performed at the city gate. Judges would come and hear cases at the city gate. Victories were celebrated at the city gate. Like in Judges chapter 5, Deborah, after she leads the Israelite army to success, they come back to the city gate and they celebrate there at the gate. Because the gate is a point of the city that is very public and visible both to the city residents inside the walls and to the outsiders outside the walls. So it's a great place when you want to have an event that's meant to be witnessed by the public. You know, these days, in the world that we live in, it's pretty different than the world Nehemiah lived in. We don't really have spaces like that anymore. We don't really have a place where a new carpet salesman can pull up to town hall and be met by Sheriff Andy Taylor who will smile at him and get his story before he's allowed to go knock door to door. Now, in fact, a lot of that work these days has really moved online. Social media is where you can go to make statements about your identity, let people know who you are, what you believe in, and what you reject. Strangers meeting strangers, well I mean, that happens on Match.com, right? Or in some affinity chat group that you might be a part of. and public witness these days well i mean public witness can only get really public really go viral when you create the right meme to go with it online seems to be our new city gate if you will only these spaces these online spaces are very individualistic and and very isolating it's not where a community comes together, coming and going and welcoming, discerning together what is good and safe for the neighborhood. I mean, we have malware software for that, right? Now, of course, that reminds us that the city gates were also a means of protection. These gates, they could be closed at nighttime and open during the day so that at night you don't have anyone sneaking into the city who would rather not be seen. Or during times of war, city gates would be closed day and night and, and only opened when supplies needed to come and go from the city. One way to think about it is the more a city felt at peace, safe and secure, the more they could have their gates open. And the more a city felt afraid, vulnerable, and threatened, the more they really needed to keep those gates closed. As I look at this newly erected wall and gates in the city of Jerusalem, it sounds to me like the people inside of it didn't feel very safe. If if you look at Nehemiah 7 verse 3, it says that the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. Now, think about that. That means that long after the sun has come up and is high in the sky where nobody's lurking around in the shadows of dawn or dusk, only when the sun is hot and the gatekeepers are in place, it's not quite the the wartime provisions, but it, it sounds to me like they're worried about the safety of the people inside the walls. And to be honest, they have good reason to be worried. If you remember back in the story of Nehemiah, their neighbors have not exactly been friendly. They haven't exactly been cheering on this construction project. In fact, at one point, the workers on the wall, they had to keep weapons on them while they were working to build the wall just in case they were attacked and had to stop and fight. So they have their wall now and they have their gate and and they've got guards and musicians But the city inside still feels frail and vulnerable and threatened. And so instead of these gates being a place of identity and and welcoming strangers and public witness, it's mostly just being used as a defense mechanism. And isn't that what being on the defense does to us? It takes away our energy that we could put towards constructive efforts, and it puts all of that toward preservation. When I played soccer a long time ago, never very good, I was always a defensive player. And I loved playing soccer, but um, I loved a game where we played against a great offense that was able to keep the ball down on my side of the field for a while. And I love the challenge of defending against a great offense But I also knew that that wasn't always great for the team when the ball was always on my side of the field. I mean, sure, I got more playtime. But the more time that we spent with me defending our goal, the less time we had to get the ball down the field and try to make a goal. I mean, I find that this is true in life. The more energy we spend defending ourselves, the less energy we have to be Constructive. I mean, maybe you've worked on teams before where it feels like you were always putting out fires and never putting out new ideas. I know in church life, the more energy that we spend in a fear posture trying to protect and preserve what we have and what we know, the less energy we have to pour into what could be and isn't yet. Perhaps that's why in the book of Revelation, chapter 21. John is describing this vision that God is giving him. About the end of time when all of God's enemies will be defeated and will be no more. When Jesus will come back as the one who is and was and is to come. The lamb who sits on the throne forever and ever. And John sees a new Jerusalem. A new Heavenly city with, with walls that are made of jewels and gates that are made of pearls that are never shut day or night. Because there's no longer anything to be afraid of. There are still gates, though. In fact, there are twelve gates to be exact. Gates that say something about the identity of this city and these people. Twelve gates representing the twelve tribes, the people who God redeemed. The tribes through with the Gentiles are grafted in and welcome to be a part of the kingdom of God. And these twelve gates, they are open day and night where people from the nations will bring in glory and honor from the nations, a place where strangers will be welcomed to become friends of God, a place to give public witness to the Lamb on the throne who is due all glory and honor and praise forever and ever. (sighs) Amen. Now, today, we, you and I, we live somewhere between those two city gates. Somewhere between Nehemiah's world, where the people of God felt so vulnerable and afraid that they needed to keep their gates shut most of the day and all of the night. And between Revelation 21, where there's this world that is yet to come, where the gates are never shut and they are just there to be a public witness to God's glory there's nothing to be afraid of. Which of those two gates do you feel like you tend to lean toward? These days, it's easy to feel more like Nehemiah's gates are really what we need. Something to shut the world out while we get back to the work of rebuilding. The church our church, the church in North America, feels like it's at a vulnerable place right now. Maybe even your faith feels like it's at a vulnerable place right now. And I do not want to be naive about the enemy who seeks to kill and steal and destroy. We have seen those forces at work in this world and they are real. Nehemiah instructed them to keep the gates closed so that they could safely get back to the work of rebuilding a devastated city without fear of attack. And we need a safe place to feel really engaged in the work of starting over. But we also know that the whole point of building, of starting over, isn't just to rebuild the old city that got ruined, it's to work closer and closer toward the heavenly city that God is still bringing. The one where there is nothing to fear because God is our everything. And The gates of the city can stand wide open to welcome all who would come and seek salvation In Jesus Christ. Christians today we live in a time in between those two gates. Not sure how much we ought to keep the world shut out and how much we ought to let the world in. Not sure how much energy we ought to be putting into defense and safety and how much energy we ought to pour into dreams that are not yet realized. And it can feel tense tents pulled between those two gates. I can feel that tension. You can probably feel that tension. And in the midst of that tension in between those two gates, I hear the words of Jesus in John chapter 10 when he comes along and says, I am the gate. I am the gate for the sheep and all who will enter by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. He is our gate. He is our identity. And his wounds are the, the open place where strangers get welcomed in to the kingdom of God, and his life, death, and resurrection is our public witness. And so if you are feeling exhausted today, Exhausted from pouring all of your energy into protection and defense, can I invite you to let Jesus be your gate, who will keep you safe from the enemy who seeks to kill and steal and destroy. When Jesus is our gate, we don't have to spend nearly as much energy in gatekeeping. So let him lead you. Into green pastures and, and welcome you in for safe keeping so that you can find rest in his presence. We are an unfinished construction project. There's so much work still to do. So much work. And we're slowly starting to see what's maybe on the other side of this pandemic, slowly starting to see people be vaccinated and infection rates go down slowly, so slowly. There's still so much work. And it's not just work of trying to rebuild what was, but working toward what will be in God's new heavenly city and we won't ever be finished with this construction project, this side of heaven, right? So it's important. It's important to stop and celebrate along the way. Celebrate when the gates go up. Celebrate when you get a vaccine shot. Celebrate when COVID rates fall low enough for long-term care facilities to open up to visitors, for schools to reopen. Celebrate that we made it to January 24th, 2021, for goodness sake, Celebrate that Jesus is our gate and in him we have nothing to fear. Celebrate that Jesus is our identity. He is our welcome and he is our witness. Celebrate because in Jesus Christ, even though we have a long way to go and a lot of work to do, we have been given reason to rejoice today. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to tune in next week, we'll be having online service on Facebook Live. At 8.45, we'll be hosting a virtual lobby followed by service at 9 a.m. Head over to our website for updated information on worship gatherings, as well as weekly resources. Thanks again for joining us. We hope to see you next week.